Creating Cultures of Thinking, a book by Ron Richard, is so rich with benefits for every classroom in the world, including most definitely benefits for your young students' social-emotional learning and development, that it only makes sense to create at least one episode focusing on a number of Richard's main points about the words we introduce and use in our classroom that have subtle yet powerful impact if we use them intentionally and consistently. Welcome to the Not Your Normal Social Emotional Learning Podcast. My name is Nini White or Janine White, whichever is easier on your ears. I'll open this episode with a quote from the introduction to chapter three about language. Ron Richards writes, language is the system of communication used by a community, and a class is certainly a community, to negotiate shared meaning and build group coherence and understanding around ideas, behaviors, and actions. As a culture shaper, language helps us to direct attention and action. However, the words and structures that make up language not only convey explicit surface meaning, but they also impact a set of deeper associations and connections that implicitly shape thought and influence behavior. This is the hidden power of language, its ability to subtly convey messages that shape our thinking, shape our sense of self, and shape group affinity. Richard identifies seven areas of language that guide, direct, and I would say also add color to students' learning and thinking. Those seven languages are the language of thinking, the language of community, the language of identity, the language of initiative, the language of mindfulness, the language of praise and feedback, the language of listening. Richard makes clear that the language we use during the day and throughout our lessons has the potential to stretch students' vocabularies, not for the sake merely of stretching their vocabulary, but for the actual benefit that an enriched vocabulary has by expanding and deepening students' ability to describe their feelings, verbalize their instincts, describe their gut reactions, um, more precisely express their unique perspectives, while also identifying and more deeply appreciating their shared perspectives. Another benefit with the potential for powerful long-term impact of an enriched language of thinking is that it liberates our students, one word choice at a time, from the restrictive confines of a binary, black and white, this or that, right or wrong, should, shouldn't kind of a worldview, which we do see young children pretty much uh, stuck in. But they don't have to be. And because that form of liberation obviously can only help to structure more nuanced expressions for building more solid and authentic relationships and connections between people. 
and more creative problem solving and more precise analysis and communication of situations. At this point, I just have to surrender to the temptation to an, to, uh, to an irresistible aside. Can you imagine just for a moment what our world would be like if there were less domination of binary black and white, this or that, good, bad, right, wrong, should, shouldn't kinds of thinking? If the majority of humanity exercised its capacity to fine-tune its verbal expressions of understanding, of feelings, of gut reactions, of individual and shared perspectives, can you imagine what politics would be like? (sighs) Okay, time for some concrete examples. Let's start with the language of thinking. In addition to asking our students what they think, about a certain event or image or idea, we can sometimes ask them to imagine another outcome or generate ideas about possible causes of an event or theorize about why such and such happened. Can you see the subtle layers of difference those thinking words are capable of bringing into a group discussion? Those word choices add layers of dimension and possibility to their processes of thinking. For instance, imagine another outcome invites freedom of thinking, freedom beyond familiar and obvious answers, because that's what imagination does. Generate ideas about possible causes subtly communicates that there is more than one right answer, which is an invitation for creative and collaborative problem solving, and also, hopefully, a subtle declaration that it is safe to try out ideas, even if they're not all perfect ideas. Mistakes are no big deal, and once we as teachers have made it clear that mistakes are a legitimate part of the discovery process, experience has proven in circle time discussion after circle time discussion that students who tend to be shy or who resist engaging excuse me, are much more likely to risk speaking up because they too have generated an idea that seems to coincide with or even counter someone else's idea. Theorizing about why such and such happened is another word that opens doors and windows for fresh thinking to enrich shared thinking experiences in circle time. Yes, new words would need to be defined, but that's not so difficult, is it? I mean, just knowing that young children are sponges for new words and new ideas that create and strengthen fresh connections in their brains should be plenty of motivation to forge ahead in this vocabulary-building direction. By enriching the language of our students' thinking, we are actually making our jobs of developing their social, emotional, and life skills development much easier, because we are, in effect, providing them with their own tools for reflection on as well as planning for their own behavioral choices. No lectures required. Less and less reminders and corrections required. By nurturing and stretching young children's potential and capacity to think about their thinking, by imagining By generating ideas and theorizing, just for starters, we are nurturing and stretching their their inclination to examine their own processes, their own choices, 
Having a language of thinking is essential for identifying processes for examination. What we're, reve- what we're revealing here is another level of benefit, enlivenment of metacognition, which is so much more than merely looking backward at what has happened. Metacognition is an awakening of awareness, which is an enabling factor in being liberated from automatic reactions into a day-to-day life that has the potential to be increasingly characterized by ongoing attention and more conscious responses for conscious choices about thinking and behavior. Whew, that's a mouthful. But in real life, with preschoolers, TK, kindergartens and for kindergartners and first graders, it's really not all that heady or heavy. Give them the ball, so to speak, they'll spontaneously play with it. Promise, I've seen it countless times. And just to be perfectly clear, this is not any form of advocating for an elite advantage over the others through acquisition of an impressive vocabulary. Far, far from it. This is, to use an example from another important area of children's development, about purposefully providing our students with a fuller set of crayons and paints for their own artwork which will ripple into benefits for everyone in their circles of life, including themselves, but not just themselves, both short and long-term. Good? So... Would you like more brief explanations about Richard's languages in this podcast? I hope so. I look forward to creating those episodes soon. Until next time. Oh, wait, you've hit that subscribe button, yes? And if you leave comments, even if they're brief, the visibility of this podcast will increase, which we would appreciate so much. Okay, thank you.